today I have for you such a special conversation. I was fortunate enough to interview Adam Millichip. He is a teacher at Tettenhall Wood School in Wolverhampton, a school for pupils with a diagnosis of autism spectrum conditions. In the last year, he encouraged and helped two of his students to start, wait for it, a podcast about sport. Dare I say, great minds think alike? We discuss how the podcast has helped these students in various aspects of their development, as well as the interesting and unique relationship between sport and autism. Here is this discussion. Welcome back to the Sustaining Sport podcast. We are here with Adam Millichip of Tettenhall Wood School. Um, Adam, where does this podcast find you? Hello, good, good, good afternoon. So yeah, we're coming from, from Wolverhampton in England, and it's a, it's a pleasure to join you today. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, so Adam is a host of a podcast himself um, at the school, uh, but let's talk about the school first. Adam, what, what, uh, what, tell us about the school you work at and what makes it so special. So yes, as you said, it's Technowood School, which is a school for children, young adults um, with autism. So it's a very, very special and unique school. Um, a fantastic school with, I think, with a range of students from um, I think age five to five to nineteen. All of them are autistic, which makes it um, a very special school. And each of the students that we have are very unique, very have their own individual characteristics, their very very unique personalities. And yeah, it's a pleasure to work at the school. It's a fantastic school, and um, all the students there are incredible. Yeah, it does it does sound like a pretty special uh, place? Firstly, let me ask: How did you get into this uh, space of teaching in this in this area? Um, so probably through through my wife. My wife's um, brother has special needs and is autistic. So um, kind of from being with her and spending a lot of time with him, it got my passion for working with special needs children. Um, and my parents also work with with children, young adults with disabilities in in, in past. So it's something that's always been close to me and close to my family and something I really enjoyed doing. So I went to university to do a teaching degree and straight from university, I went straight into work at a special needs school. Not the one I'm at now, a different one. Um, but yeah, it's always kind of been in the family and something I've had a good passion about and I have something I really enjoy. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, so as for why uh, we're talking today, you decided to start a podcast with um, some of the kids at your school. Uh, I have listened to a few episodes and I'm, I'm quite amazed at the list of guests you've managed to get on. Um, I mean, amongst others, we got Swat, Sir Clive Woodward, Steve Waugh, Michael Atherton, Matt Letizia, NASA, uh, Joe Hart, um, Jade Hall, Will Greenwood, and uh, even Bumble. Uh, that's the cricketer, not the dating app. Um, so yeah, like tell us about where the idea for the podcast came from and what makes that so unique. Yes, yeah, so I think the, the idea of the podcast probably came around during the uh, start of last year, during one of the lockdowns, when I was listening to a lot more podcasts myself. I really got into a number of sports podcasts. And it was something that I thought our students could do. Um, one of the barriers of autism is kind of the lack of social skills, the lack of conversational skills. But podcasting reduces that. You can chat to anyone in the world via a computer. and it minimizes the need for social interaction. It minimizes the need for uh, communication in a way because you're not face-to-face as such with a person. So I thought it was something that our students could do. 
podcasting uses a lot of skills, not just conversation skills. It uses technology skills, research skills, editing skills, um, questioning skills, listening skills, reading skills. So it covers the whole curriculum, basically. So I went to the head teacher, who was very much behind the idea straight away. And within a few weeks, it, it was set up. So our we've had four students who've taken part in the podcast so far. And each week we speak to different famous sportsmen and women. And as you said, with the list there, we managed to speak to lots of amazing guests from, from all around the world, from a variety of different sports, which is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, and so that you mentioned those four students, how have they found their experience on the podcast? They've loved it. They really, really have loved it. I think at the start, including myself, we didn't quite know um, what to expect. We didn't quite know what podcast was. None of the students have heard a podcast before. So this was a brand new experience for them. So I think at the start, it was a bit um, nerve-wracking, a bit intimidating. But now we're, I think, about 30 episodes in. So they're, they're seasoned pros now, and they're fantastic. They're really, really good. Yeah, and I, I can empathize with that um, bit of nervousness. I, I I started this podcast at roughly the same time you did in lockdown. Um, and even as someone who has often been described as a bit of a loud mouth, um, I still find it quite um, daunting to get behind a microphone. So, you know, real credit to those students of yours and yourself for doing that. Um, have you noticed any overflow in their own development from after working in the podcast into how they um, are in the, in like the non-podcasting world? Um, yes, definitely. So they, probably the main one is confidence. Their confidence has gone through the roof. They're, they're really, really confident lads. And that's tran- transferred into their lessons and in, into around school as well. They've, um, when they're walking through the corridor in the classrooms, lots of staff and students come up to them and ask them about the podcast. And they're so happy and thrilled to talk about it. So I said their confidence and their communication skills have really, really improved. If you ask them themselves, quite often our guests might ask them and they'll always say that their communication has improved and their confidence, which is amazing to see. It must be quite a special thing to sort of see um, come forward in them. Uh, you know, something that's quite... How do I phrase this? Something that's so uh, true, right? That, that 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 this is not false confidence you're giving them. This is something that they have achieved and that they are yeah. um, experiencing and doing for themselves. Definitely, as you said, they've done it themselves. They haven't had me or someone else kind of do it for them. They now host the podcast themselves. So probably seventy five percent of the podcast is the students doing it. Um, whereas at the start, the very first kind of five episodes was probably seventy five percent me doing it. Yeah. I was doing the research, I was doing the questions, I was helping the students, I was in the interviews with the students. But if you listen to our most recent episodes, I'm not in the podcast at all. There's the two students hosting it. I just stand in the background and, and listen. Wow. The students will do some of the research, the students will do some of the questions. Um, so yeah, it, it's shifted from me doing the majority of it to the students now doing the majority of it, which which shows the progression that they've made. Yeah, that is really proof of 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 of, of the concept working. Um they often talk about, well, I'd say, I'd say in general conversations about autism or when they talk about the spectrum, they often refer to people's uh, weaknesses. For example, uh, autistic um, children have social weaknesses and that often gets talked about. What strengths do they bring to the podcast? So they bring a lot of strengths. So as you said, there's they bring a different style of, of questioning as well, whereas I think we may ask a question and... Um, kind of flirt around the question a little bit and, and not get straight to the point, whereas the students just, just get straight to the point with the question. They just ask the question. Um, 
Yes. And which we find gets a better answer from, from the guests. And the guests are quite empathetic with the students and might share more of the story with the students. Um, another strength is the research skills. So the week before the podcast, I'll say to them, right, next week we've got this person on. And they will dedicate a lot of their time, a lot of their spare time as well to to find out about the guest, to thinking of questions for the guest. And they'll come back to me in a few days and they'll have some really, really, really good questions that I wouldn't have thought of or they would have found some internet web page that had a little story on, on the guest that isn't on a mainstream media site, which is a really, really interesting story to ask about the guest. So I'd say, yeah, the research skills, they really hone in on the research and do some really, really in-depth research, which is fantastic. And their questioning, they have a really, really good questioning technique that they've developed over time. Yeah, I mean, again, I can empathize as someone who also hosts a sports podcast. Like, I, I obviously do a lot of the same work. And um, having listened to a few of your episodes, they, they do seem to have such a direct approach, yet so, so um, at the same time, so welcoming and so earnest in how they ask it. Um, and I can see that obviously in, in uh, how the guests respond. And of course, these are not, as I sort of listed before, these are not sort of some small time guests. These are very sort of famous, influential people, which could be very intimidating in itself. So the fact that they can um, hold their own in this in this uh, activity is, is so special and so special to see and to hear. Definitely. Some of the podcasts that we're on, that I'm sat there, I'm really nervous thinking, oh my God, we're talking to Sir Clive Woodward or we're talking to Yes yeah. Hussein. But the boys just get on with it. Don't seem nervous. They're just speaking to another man, another woman, which is just amazing. How have their families responded to uh, their performance on the podcast? Really good. I speak to their parents quite often, tell them a lot about the podcast, and they're over the moon. They've both said, or both sets of parents have said how um, proud they are of their, their sons, um, how much they've developed in their confidence, developed in their communication skills. We've managed we've been lucky to have some great opportunities from the podcast as well so a few weeks ago we were invited to a film premiere where the, where the boys came to and we were invited to a, a local football match we've been invited to um a few radio shows we were on a local Wolverhampton city radio a few weeks ago where the boys hosted the hosted the show so the parents are really thrilled with the opportunities that their, their children are getting as well which is incredible Yes. I, I hope that if anyone's listening to this podcast, that they, they can take the time to go listen to your podcast because um, it is so nice to get to know these these students from afar. Um, and yeah, I'd say even a good strategy is probably go and listen to one of the earlier episodes first um, and then sort of come back to one of the more recent ones now and, and hear the difference. Um, and that must have been special for the families to, to listen to as well. Um, how have the other children at the school, um, if any of them have listened to it, uh, responded to the podcast? Yeah, really good. So lots of their classmates listen to the podcast. Um, quite often their classmates would come up to me and say they really enjoyed a certain episode or they really enjoyed a certain story that a guest, guest shared with us. So lots of our students won't be able to access the access the um, podcast due to kind of the, their ability levels. But some of our more able students, yeah, they listen to the podcast and share it with their families as well. And maybe if they got a spare time in class or at the end of the day, will listen to parts of the podcast as well, which is fantastic. Is that do you, have you seen maybe any sort of overflow in confidence? You know that, that that when they see some of their peers being able to achieve something like this, that maybe you know filters through into the other students. Yes, yeah, so I've had requests from lots of the students to to come on the podcast as well. But 
as you know, you can only really have one maximum two students on the podcast. Otherwise, it just gets too many people talking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're looking at changing it every so often, getting new students involved and finding new jobs. Because as as you know, it's not just the interview; it's the research, it's the editing. Yeah. It's the uploading the social media. There's lots of aspects to podcasting. So we're slowly bringing in more students to help with with more things behind the scenes of the podcast, which which they really enjoy doing. Yes, and I can definitely say the interviewing is the fun part. The social media and the editing, yeah, that's that's, that's the hard bit. That's the hard <laughs> bit, and also the time consuming bit. So, yeah, next question I guess is why a sports podcast? I mean, there was lots of different themes you could have picked. Why specifically sport? I think. My role at the school is is a PE teacher, so sport is a big passion of mine. I love all sports, um, so that's initially what I wanted to do. And I spoke with some of the students who wanted to do the podcast. We went into went into a few classes and, and said, "We're doing a podcast. Who would like to do it?" And a few students came forward, and I suggested the sports podcast, and the students were all up for it. They're really into their sport as well. And I think sport is so broad in the fact that there's hundreds of different sports for all types of people from every single background, every single origin, every single country. Even if you're not a huge sports fan, with a bit of research and a bit of a bit of knowledge, you can have a good understanding of sport and understanding of the guests. So I pitched the idea to the students and I said it would involve some research and both the students who who wanted to do it have really good computer skills and really good research skills so um yeah the knowledge of sport at the start it was good it was okay it wasn't like amazing but they had a, a basic understanding of like football cricket rugby things like that but now yeah. a few months later the knowledge of sport is incredible so we've spoken to golfers um speedway riders baseball players olympians paralympians so we don't just do your mainstream football, cricket, rugby. Um, we do lots of cover lots of sports. So their knowledge of sport now is is getting better and better each week, which is incredible. Yes, I can. Um, I can imagine they would probably be more sort of into watching sport, if I can say that. What about their sort of relationship with playing sport? Yeah, so they obviously have P at school, so they enjoy doing P at school. Um, as for outside of school, I'm not 100 percent sure what sports they access. Mm. I'm sure they do, but I'm not 100% sure what they do in their free time. But yeah, I've seen them in, in P lessons and they both enjoy taking part in the P lessons at school. So they both, both sporty, all four that have done it have been sporty students. Mm. But yeah, I agree. Their knowledge of sport mainly comes through watching it on TV and, and research and, and talking about it rather than actually playing it. Yeah, it's still special that they can experience some sport in that way. Um, sports that maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity to, like, or the exposure to. Um, and still, you know, have that sort of interaction. I saw uh, a stat, and I'm going to read it directly so I don't misquote it. And it's from America, but um, nearly half of American children with autism aged 10 to 17 are overweight or obese compared to uh, less than one third of their typically developing peers. So how do you sort of bring together the, the concept of PE and, and sport to uh, children with autism where this you know, problem of obesity is, is, uh, is there? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's difficult. Um, being quite general and stereotypical of autism, that is very hard to get them engaged in a sporting activity. Yeah. So yes, it is challenging. And we're very lucky at our school. We have things like um, spin bikes and rowing machines. 
where the student can access it individually. Mm. So they spend a lot of time on the on the spin bikes, on the rowing machines. And it's not just for the physical health, but also the mental health. Yep. So the, the exercise is very important. But yeah, as you rightly said, it, it's very hard to access sport. Majority of sports are, are team games. Yeah. Where our students and typically autistic people find quite difficult yep. to follow the rules, to follow, um, to work in a team. And then you look at individual sports, I know, such as golf or darts or snooker. They're not the most physical of sports. So yeah, it can be very challenging. So we do a lot a lot of our scores, a lot of swimming, a lot of cycling, a lot of rowing. The students that can access team sports do access team sports. Mm. But a lot of our students access sort of therapy-based learning. So a lot of time in the swimming pool, a lot of time walking, a lot of time say, on, on the gym equipment. But I think trying to get people and students out in the community, walking as much as possible, taking part in light exercise, walking the dog, things like that. So they're not just sat at home on the PlayStation, on the Xbox, on the computer, um, trying to get them out in the community, out doing more activities, not necessarily sport, but just walking, swimming, things like that, that can be light exercise to, to support the students. Yeah. I actually struggle to really like fathom the challenge you guys must face in encouraging this kind of sport with them because, you know, it's, it's hard to get even just the general population to do more sport because even though it's quite well proven that it's obviously very good for your physical health and quite good for your mental health, especially after things like the um, lockdowns and how much time we spend alone, um, it's just good for us. Yet it, we all find it quite hard to do it um, regularly um, and to do it socially. So then with these uh, further barriers that they have, creating that kind of um, engagement from them must be very difficult. Because of course, you know, you can't just force them to do it. You have to sort of show them and prove to them that it's fun and it's something they'll enjoy doing. Yeah, definitely. And so lots of our students do have challenging behavior or um, find communication quite difficult. So you can't just say to them, you can't just throw a football in the middle of them and ask them to play football. Yeah. So it's very difficult and can be very challenging to engage the students in, in PE and sport. But as you said, the it needs to be done and the staff at the school are fantastic and, and have lots of amazing techniques to engage the students and mm. get them to participate in fitness and activity, which, as you said, is very vital to their physical and mental health. Yeah. Can I assume that there's probably slightly different tactics you would use per, depending on which child, right? Like they must <laughs> yeah. have different uh, different sort of idiosyncrasies. Yeah, 100%. So every single child is different. Mm. There's a famous saying of when you've seen one autistic child, you've seen one autistic child every single child adult is completely completely different so yeah our staff are very very confident at school and, and know the students really really well so if one student might might need a, a walk or a break they can do that or if one student might need more physical exercise and I go for a run or do a bit of cycling or something that that opportunity is there for them as well yeah do they ever get inspired by sort of watching sport then to play it? You know, if they if they watch the team sport, for example, do you think they would be more likely then to play that sport? Or yeah, so quite often, like the Ashes have just happened now, and although England got smashed, mm. the lots of the students have come to us and have talked about cricket. The two students that I work with and on the podcast chat a lot about cricket at the moment. Yeah, so things I know when the football world cups on, lots of the students will come and talk about football, or if Wimbledon's on, they'll come and talk about tennis. So definitely what's in the mainstream media um, definitely helps. We're lucky we're, we live very close to, or our school's very close to Wolverhampton Football Club. Mm. So quite a lot of the uh, students are Wolves fans 
and will go and watch the football team on a regular basis. So yeah, definitely they're influenced by the the mainstream sport on TV. Yeah, and um, which is which is great and something that we definitely encourage. Yeah, particularly in the last what five or so years, where Wolves have had a bit of a, a bit of a renaissance compared to where they were. Yeah, definitely they're, they're doing okay at the moment. Yeah, so hopefully they can continue. Yeah. moving up the table. I met a Wolves fan the other day, and uh, we were chatting. He was chatting, and he was like, "Oh yeah, lockdown wasn't too bad for me." Uh, I learned a new language. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I live close to Wolverhampton Football Club, so I learned Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, I imagine Portuguese is probably spoke more in Wolverhampton Football Club than English at the moment. No, exactly, exactly. Um, and I'm actually a Liverpool fan, so um, I do appreciate uh, the uh, you guys selling us Diego Jota. He is, he is great. <laughs> he's done, done very well for you, hasn't he? Yeah, no, he's, he's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think that sort of covers all all of the all of the questions I wanted to ask, just maybe one more sort of general theme. And this definitely, I think you, you will have some insight on given your passion. How do you see the relationship between sport and um, uh, children of special needs, like evolving in the future? Is it, do you think there's any kind of broader barriers we need to break down, maybe some like societal stigma, or do you think that it's just something that we're getting better at um, encouraging them to do? I think society is definitely getting better at it. Even when I was a child and I was at school, which is only 15 years ago, um, lots of the students with special needs didn't take part in the P lessons, didn't take part in the sport. Um, I remember my local facilities didn't have a ramp, so we had no wheelchair access. So little things like that are definitely improving. Yeah. Um, I get schools now and I spend a lot of time in different schools and the facilities are changed, the resources are being adapted, which is, is fantastic. So I was in a school last week and um, there was a student in a wheelchair and they're doing a football lesson, but the teacher adapted it to allow the, the young girl in a wheelchair to be involved in the lesson. Mm. There's still lots that needs to be done, lots and lots that needs to be done. I think, for example, at football stadiums, um, I know a few stadiums have, I know Wolves have, have a um, SEN, special needs, autism, um, like a VIP box for yeah. for autistic students, to autistic people to go in and watch the football. But that's not all football grounds and all rugby venues and cricket grounds. So I think there's still lots that need to be done to allow especially these children, adults to to watch sport and participate in sport. I think there's lots of simple things, just allowing a child to participate in, in a session or in a rugby session, in a football session. Lots of students get pushed to the side maybe and or here we are, just have a ball yourself and practice catching by yourself. Mm. I think the stigma needs to be changed that they can be involved and they can take part in the session, whatever their ability. Yeah. So I think as well, we need to upskill coaches and inform them and teach them about special needs, about autism. Because if they don't know about it, they're not, not aware of, of what autism is or what other special needs are, then they're going to struggle to integrate that child into a, into a lesson or into a training session. Mm. So I think as lots of things are, it's through education. So teaching people about these different disabilities and different special needs. So they know how to coach the students, how to work with the students. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely improving. I've seen over a short period of time, say 10 years, it improve a lot, but there's still a long way to go, a long, long way to go before society is very inclusive in sport. Yes. 
And yeah, it's it's funny that we have we mentioned these two sort of themes of autism and um, sport. Where I, I was very privileged to go to a very nice school in South Africa that had sports. I mean, it's basically it was the religion of the school. Um, I would argue they probably should have done a bit more academics, if I'm honest. Um, so we we loved our sport, but then the contrast of that is how how little exposure we had to you know, children with things like autism, um, amongst other things. So that you know, a lot of us were underprepared. I think when we became adults to um, handle social interactions like that, which probably then ends up um, not exclusively as the cause, but then ends up feeding into the social stigma where you, if you don't know what, what the challenge you're facing, then maybe the ultimate reaction is ostracization or something like that. Yeah, definitely. So as you said, I think education is, is, is vital. So if, yeah, if you're unaware of how to support autistic children or autistic adults, then you're not going to support them very well. But if you have a better understanding of what autism is or what other special needs are, then you will know different techniques and different ways to get that child motivated to take part in, in the lesson. Yes, I fully agree. Um, great. Well, then I now need to thank you for three things. Thank you first for um, your work that you do It's just in general. I think it's such a special thing um, and something that I think requires a lot more time, effort, dedication, patience, than I'd say almost any other job. So, you know, from a society perspective, we really appreciate the work you're doing. Secondly, that you have decided to encourage um, your students to share that, the experience they're having on the internet. You know, obviously we can't all come up to Wolverhampton as much as we want to, um, to see it for ourselves. Um, yeah, the fact that you are, you, you've managed to publicize the, 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 their journey in this cool way of a podcast is such a great thing that we can listen to from all around the world. And finally, that you thank you that you picked sport because sport for me is such a um, such a passion of mine. I think it's such a powerful tool in the world. So to bring all of these things together on your podcast, I think it's a really great thing. And yeah, as a sort of final plug, everyone go listen to, is it the TWS sport pod, Sports Podcast? Yeah, it is. And just, yeah, thank you so much for, for everything you do as well. I say I, I love doing it. It's an honor to work with these students and an honor to do the podcast with them. And yeah, as you said, if you're listening, please go and search TWS Sports Podcast. We're available on all your, your normal podcast apps and streaming sites. So please go and give us a listen. That was our conversation with Adam Millichip. He and his students are such an inspiration to me. And I'm so pleased that sport, something that I value so highly, can play a positive role in their lives. If you're at all interested, I will link to their podcast in the bio of this episode or just search the uh, TWS podcast and I'm sure you'll find it. Otherwise, thanks for listening and see you next time.